0: Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? do? you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Yo, yo, yo! Oh, do? I love how the old songs let you just rock for a second. Hold on. You can't cut this off before the chorus. Oh man, we have fun today, day four podcast. We are back and better than ever. Uh got your hosts here, Brandon and Artie. It's uh it's opening day in baseball, opening week. Some people are very happy, others are their smiles are upside down, but uh all in all very very good week. So how's everything going with you?
1: Good, good. I saw some news. You bought a suite uh at the Coliseum. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, you know, I, I went against everything that I said and stand for, and I decided that what I really needed in my life was a suite at the Oakland O-dot-whatever stadium it's called. I forget again. <laughs> um, all jokes aside, uh, a, a recurring topic here at the, at the DVP has been the Oakland Coliseum offering a suite for the full season for one Bitcoin. And we have a purchase Voyeur digital LTD uh, decided that they were going to make the first purchase of a ticket offering price and cryptocurrency for the MLB. They said voyeur is proud to make history with this crypto purchase. More and more digital assets are becoming sought after forms of payment as businesses and consumers embrace cryptocurrencies said Steve Erlich, I believe is the name. I apologize if I said that wrong. CEO and co-founder of Voyager. We enjoyed a strong relationship with the Ace right fielder, Stephen Piscotti, and look forward to growing our relationship with the A's organization. Voyager intends to share the suite with our customer community in the Bay Area and beyond.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a smart move for them. So they're actually a crypto asset broker so they have the crypto assets and you know it's a great way for them to get publicity it's just so funny right it's the same thing that the reason the a's are doing this is for publicity and remind people hey we're coming back and we have suites for sale and these guys are essentially doing the same thing but saying hey we do crypto we just bought a suite with it come bank with us
0: yeah i mean i was super against it because i don't think anybody in their right mind unless you just have A ton of cash laying around that you need to spend. This makes a lot of sense. But Voyager Digital makes a ton of sense. Like, this is what they do. This is their game. And I had never heard of Voyager Voyager Digital until, you know, this news broke. So they got what they wanted out of this, right? Like, this is a way for their company to break onto the scene. You know, a lot of people know some of the bigger apps like a Robinhood. Um, and if they can kind of come into that space, then why not? This makes perfect sense. Um, again, like you said, it's a, it's, it's a play for them. It's going to gain a lot of publicity. And, you know, it's, it's nice to be the first when you're doing something like this because people will always kind of come back to that and remember it. So it makes sense. Um, I guess, Zach, you were right. Somebody will do it, and they did.
1: If you're not first, you're last.
0: If you're not first, you're last, for sure. Um, Speaking of being first and last, I don't know if that transition works, but uh, the MLB has decided to move the All-Star game out of Atlanta due to the voter ID bill that is being passed. Um, There's two sides of this. Some people believe that this voter ID is a good thing, exactly what we need. And others see it uh, for what it, uh, I'll go out on a limb and say most likely is uh, as a voter register, a voter uh, restricting voters access to being able to vote. Um, And, I'm with the MLB on this. I'm actually shocked that they're kind of the first league to take action on this. Obviously, they have the all-star game in Atlanta, and it makes a lot of sense. So I guess what are your thoughts on the MLB kind of taking a step uh what I believe is the right direction with this? Yeah, no, I think it's –
1: it's good to see them doing this. This is the, uh, very unlike them. Uh, it's unusual in the sense that they usually don't take any political stance, right? They're America's past pastime. They try to always stay out of politics. But, but you know, to see them do this is you know a nice breath of fresh air in terms of the way they act. Uh, you know, it's interesting that right after they put out the press release, the Braves released a statement basically saying that. Hey, the Braves organization, you know, expresses the importance of equal voting opportunities, but we really wanted this event to be the platform and showcase for those discussions. Um, you know, I think they still had to kind of play nice, right? They are part of Major League Baseball, but I thought it was interesting how they came out with a statement very quickly that was basically saying, "Hey, we still could have had this year." <laughs>
0: um, and yeah, I, I hate that from the Braves. Actually, um, clearly, you don't stand with. <laughs> this idea of uh voter suppression happening. Or you do stand with that idea, right? There's no reason that they should have uh a statement saying like, oh yeah, well we're sad that we should we're not gonna be able to have this event here. Um we believe in the cause, but like we still believe that the all star game should be here. You're defeating the yeah, purpose. It- like you have to you have to have action to defeat this systematic attack that is, is, is happening. So if you're with that and you understand and stress the importance of equal voting opportunities, then you understand why they're making this move. They can always bring the All-Star game back in another year once Georgia acts right. But you have yeah, to show it's that. A, it's a privilege. Absolutely. You have Not to show right. the privilege to have these teams. You know what I'm saying? And as we move to uh, more and more, owners finally paying for their own stadiums and things like that. Yeah. Like it is a privilege to have our stadium and bring the best of the best in in the MLB all together for an all-star, you know, weekend and bring all the people that are going to fly in to Atlanta for this, for the all-star and and bring all that money in. Yeah, that's a privilege. Um, And so if the MLB is taking that stance and you agree with the stance that they're taking in terms of the equal voting opportunities, then you don't need the statement. This is trying, they're trying to play both sides and you can't do that. Sorry.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, right. To see where, where it even lands next. Right. Okay. okay so we know we're taking that out of Georgia. Where are they going to go? They want to go to a state that allows a bunch of fans. Okay. does that mean they're going to do it in, Florida, where they ha- where they're open, in Texas, where they're open. You know, if we see certain things happening in a traditionally red state in Georgia, is that same thing going to happen in Texas or Florida? Who knows? Um, you know, they estimated the economic impact of the All Star Game for Atlanta being sixty to eighty nine million dollars, a lost value for them. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, I'm trying to look into seeing. It looks like there are six. Possible landing spots. One is American Family Field in Milwaukee, Dodger Stadium in L.A., Globe Life in Arlington, uh, Puerto Rico, Wrigley Field, and Yankee Stadium. I know what I would
1: vote for. Puerto Rico? Absolutely. That would be awesome. That would be super dope, actually
0: and if i'm looking at at a brand perspective there's a brand in mind that has uh a vested interest in the all-star game already and some workings down in Puerto Rico so it could be a a real uh colorful all-star um if they were to do that and 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 like that, i think that'd be dope that's uh, different i don't believe there's been an all-star game that's outside this, of the states so this would be kind of cool, and you can make it a destination thing. I'd go to Puerto Rico for the All Star Game. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we're in agreement. Uh, glad the MLB did this. It's kind of a little surprised that the MLB did it, but all, all in all, all, good for them in general. Um, and just continue to put pressure. Um, I think that's the key. Like we have, we can't just continue to just be all talk. Um, We understand that money talks And and companies like Coca-Cola And Delta have expressed um, A little disdain With the bill And so those are both headquarters in Atlanta And if those companies are saying Yeah we know what we would move out of Atlanta For that I think that You know you could see some real Real moonwalking on behalf of Some of the uh, members Of the government there But And another company that would shock us to make any change. The NFL has announced that they are expanding beginning in the 2021 season to a 17-game regular season. Uh, The length of the regular season is going to be 18 weeks now. And the preseason will be reduced to three games. I don't get it. It's just... Money talks. I I get it. I understand why it happened. I understand that it's an extra week. I understand that's more income. I just don't understand how the Players Association approves that. And I just have to believe that the NFL Players Association has to be one of the worst of the major sports. And it might not be close.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... It's it's tough. They're they This is something that's been talked about for a while, and you know, and NFL's been pushing this for years now, and they finally got it. You know, from a player standpoint, I'm sure they try to sell, sell them in on, hey, you're going to see eventual increases, you know, in the media rights, which was just we talked about a few weeks ago, and that will allow us to to cover you and to get more money into the players' hands. Now, I think this next year, the salary cap actually went down because of the COVID pandemic. But, you know, coming out of the 2021 season into 2022, you could see it's rise significantly. And that's kind of the, you know, the the carrot that they're dangling out there of, hey, let's move to 17 games because it means more money for us all.
0: Yeah, I just think that, you know, losing a, a preseason game, just like that, that can't be the trade-off for me because one – if you're a starter, you're not playing in the fourth preseason game anyway. Um so who gets affected by that? That get you're affecting the fringe players, right? And you're affecting potentially their money. Um the players that can have a stoppage and and won't be affected by this are the ones that are making the big money. Um you know who sign these mega deals like Ezekiel uh, Elliott, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, people like that are gonna be fine if they have a stoppage. But you have the people that you know play for a season or two, and then they're done; they're out of the NFL. At the very least, I think that you you got to figure out a way to start to leverage yourselves better, um, whether that's you know better taking care of get rid of get rid of uh, a thursday night game and then or adding more rest time so if you play thursday you would for sure get a bye week or you know maybe you play on a you play earlier that in the week going into a a thursday so maybe you had a, a saturday game or something like that maybe you you look at all right what about creating a better ecosystem for retired players and making sure that there's you know, medical and and mental health services and and some and some funding put aside for people that help build the game and and the stars of the past and and even you know your everyday player. So, I think that you didn't get any of that out of this deal. And you know, they're just not on the same page where they don't want to strike because people are going to lose their money. But that just strengthens what the shield, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is because the shield ends up winning in the end because they know that this idea that we can just get replacement people to come in and, and, and people are going to come starts to win out. And now you're afraid to do anything except just kind of agree to the terms.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't disagree with their, your power of the shield comments, right? Like, you know, historically, if it's a football game and it's on TV, even if your team isn't playing or your favorite players aren't on, it's probably going to be one of the more watched things that day. Right. So that's why you're seeing that large media deal. And, You know, part of the reason they did this too, this extension is that it will now be able to use, you know, its regular season to have every team play at least one international game every eight years starting next year. So, you know, they know they are, yeah, they're at the the top of what they can really get in the United States. They're the number one sport. How much more are they going to grow in terms of just fan base here and our population? So they know. The way for them to grow is to grow global. Now, that means playing games in the UK, Canada, Mexico. You know, they have some of the stuff planned already, but they just need the actual game inventory to do that. Um, So that's what this will do, right? And we're going to see some games in non-traditional places, right? We'll probably see some stuff in in other parts of Europe and in South America, too. You know, it's really going to be, for them, do you want an audience of 300 million or three billion. And this will potentially, or they believe, let them get closer to that three billion number.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just don't like the international game. Um similar I think we spoke about the Thursday night football games and how they usually it somehow end up being like two trash teams playing on a Thursday night. Um International games that the timing is gonna be interesting on, on when that's airing in the States. Um because do you say, all right, we're building internationally, so we're gonna have a, a football game that goes off at four in the morning so that it's better for the local market, or are you still gonna say, all right, we're gonna make sure that this game is, you know, coming on at prime time on a Sunday night and you're playing at four in the morning somewhere else in the world? Um, you know, I think Mexico makes sense. I think Canada makes sense but once you start crossing the water it just gets a little murky for me because you just don't have enough there's not enough traction for me like the a one game is just really hard on on those two teams to have to come back and then play the next week and if you do that and they have a Thursday night football game either they're getting a sh- they're getting a short week to travel and fly 12 hours to go to Europe or they're getting a short week off after a Thursday game and having to come back and play that next the next week obviously they get the three extra days and then are not playing on Sunday but you know it's still a, you know a Sunday to Thursday turnaround so um i think best case scenario is you start an NFL equivalent in Europe and then you start to build the league out in Europe and then potentially you have your European champion play the US champion but I just don't know. It doesn't to me it doesn't realistically work if you're if you're starting to build this overseas market um in terms of the the viewership and in terms of actually expanding to where like people care about the league enough. Like I don't know, it's cool to get an NFL game every once in a while because the Bears and the Raiders are coming, right? But I don't know if that's building fandom in Europe per se because they're getting a couple games and that if, you know, they get attached to a team, that team is coming once in an 8 years 8 year span.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think it's it's a long game, right? And you know, we also need to keep in mind that they're was once a nfl europe and that the nfl is actually still has some decent popularity in some parts of europe so there's enough there to grow on right there is a european league of football that is coming back online later this year so there is a potential appetite um at the end of the day you know money money talks this is a way for all the owners to make more money and they sell it into the players saying, hey, you could potentially profit off this too if we have more fans and more people are buying tickets, merchandise, and consuming on TV. You know, you're going to see teams that eventually move overseas again, whether it be to Mexico City, London, wherever. That'll probably happen within the next five to ten years.
0: I can't see a team moving to London. It has to be Mexico or Canada. It's just an unbelievable disadvantage for the team that has to move. If you're the team in London, you have to take eight flights to the US and/or spend half the season in the US and then half the other half. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because you don't, you have to block it off for at least two games, two game stretches for that to make any sense. Right. God yeah and
1: I think they're still figuring it out and it could like it could literally be that's just another division. The right? flight
0: from the but yeah, the flight from the east coast is not terrible, but when you have to play Arizona, 49ers, Raiders, Chargers, Rams, Seattle, that's now it's you get you have an extreme advantage for those teams having to fly when you, when you're playing them at home. But you're just at such a disadvantage if you have to fly there too. So the, I think more than one team has to move out there if it happens. You can't put one team out on an island like that, and I think yeah, a division has to go.
1: Yeah, and again, these are East
0: East in the NFC East East.
1: <laughs> yeah, and these are long-term plans, right? So London to to New York. Is comparable to New York to L- uh, to L A. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. not that much of a difference. Yeah. But if you look again, ten years from now, they think they're going to have supersonic flights that can get you from New York to London in an hour.
0: Yeah, I believe that when the Hyperloop goes live,
1: it, it's it's possible.
0: I saw Godzilla vs Kong today, and they got from, uh, I guess they were in Florida, Florida to Hong Kong, and in, in what looked like less than ten minutes on some loot. But you know, again, if that's the case and now the the flights are much shorter and now you're looking at cutting that time, you know, where it's a fourth of the time, then yeah, if it's a, a three hour flight from you know, LA to, to London, then all right, sure. I'm with it. But you know, I'd have to see that <laughs> to believe it. Um, and I think that's at least a decade out. So, you know, we'll come back. We'll check in in, in 2031 and, and we'll see what's happening. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you look at eSports,
1: right, when, when I think uh, OWL started out, they had teams that represented cities, but they all played in L.A. They didn't have home venues. So mm-hmm. you could even do a hybrid model where you start that way as you were literally developing, whether it be the stadium, the fan base. All of that the, is possible.
0: The London team is just in New York.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, that's how OWL started. They were all in LA.
0: <laughs> gotcha. All right, well, we'll see. Um, all right, well, we'll move on. Uh, if you guys have any any thoughts on that, feel free to chime in, and maybe you'll win a spot, uh, and we'll, we'll play your clip on the pod next week. Who knows? Um, moving to... Uh, the audio space, um, Spotify has purchased, uh, the talk sports talk network locker room. Um, this is then moving into the live audio space. Um, clubhouse is the popular, uh, app that kind of started this, this trend of rooms and speaking in a room with a group of people and having moderators and others kind of being able to observe, in the in the in the room while not being active and now we're seeing that spotify is jumping into that so what do you think this means um do you think this is significant at all it seems like this is becoming a thing uh across multiple different networks uh we've seen twitter already doing this facebook apparently is working on an app and Fireside co-founded by Mark Cuban is supposed to launch later this year as well. So this space seems to be getting pretty crowded. Um, What do you think? Big deal, little deal to be determined.
1: No, I just just think it shows you where things are going, right? Just in general, what are we seeing a lot more automation of jobs and the futures for the creators. And that's what all of these brands are investing in, right? Clubhouse was valued at a billion dollars in January, and you know, ever since then, the audio market has only kind of picked up. Um, Facebook is working on a in an audio app. Twitter Spaces is being used. You know, it'll it's here to stay, right? I think people are for a while kind of maybe didn't think so highly of podcasts until you know the past year or two when they see like Joe Rogan getting a hundred million dollars. But hey, if any other than any other sort of medium in order to actually get into somebody's heads and if you're a marketer and you want to go sponsor a podcast you can't get closer than an audio podcast that's literally in their ears so close to their brains you can't get closer than that
0: yeah i mean i think i think the idea is is one i'd be interested to see how long this lasts right um clubhouse had a lot of steam last year i think uh a lot of that i won't say a lot i think there is a portion of that due to uh, COVID and people not really being able to go places. And so now you have this app where you can kind of be in a group together and you're you're talking with your friends and things like that, which is great. However, I worry about, okay, this summer, it seems everything seems to be like opening back up. People will be uh, fully vaccinated and being able to travel and things like that. Uh, We saw how cell phones went from, being a a device where you actually speak on the phone to people to being mostly like a texting device right and that shift and so it's interesting that a room where you kind of have a group phone call essentially was able to take off and I just don't know how it sustains itself uh, moving forward because it's just not how people usually communicate or what I've seen communicate and I think that Clubhouse has died down a little bit from the kind of initial hype that it's had, just from what I've seen since I joined in December till now.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's the future of, of media uh, and kind of where things are going. And, you know, there's a lot of monetization opportunities for Locker Room, um, yeah. you know, whether there be charging creators for content or using it as a funnel for, for Spotify's broader network.
0: Now, I think this is interesting in the kind of alternate broadcast space. I could see that being being an interesting option. I could see this being an interesting option for post-game interviews where you have, you know, obviously the quote-unquote star player or the player of the game is going to go to a TNT or an ESPN, whoever's got the viewing rights for that game. However, getting a secondary player and having them pop into a room for you know, five to ten minutes after the game, and speaking with somebody one on one, and really letting an audience come in and see and hear who they want to hear from, it's an interesting spot. I don't know how many people are, are tuned into the post game. Like I'm interested to hear what Steve Kerr and you know other players have to say tonight after you lose by 53. <laughs> you know that might be one that I tune into because I want to hear what they have to say and you know if I'm not at home or you know, I'm on a flight or I'm just in the car being able to tap into a room to hear the post game conference from Steve Kerr to hear about how humiliating the game is that that's something that it could be intriguing um and you know that's a deal to be made with the NBA moving forward yeah we might have to cut that out I don't know if we can give them that great you know that's a good idea they might have to pay us for that one, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think that you know Mark Cuban and the, and that fireside app is going to be one to watch out for. Um, Facebook, I I can see them trying to go after and and maybe acquire Clubhouse, um, but you know, I think I've never seen anybody really use the Twitter one like that. I'm not sure will will pop off, but I think the fireside one is interesting with Mark Cuban already being affiliated with the NBA. How they kind of integrate that I think is something to watch out for. Definitely. All right. Um and other dealings that we've seen over the past week. Uh Peloton strikes a deal with versus. Uh versus for those who don't know, uh takes two artists or groups. And has them go song for song uh, for 20 records and then lets the fans decide who wins. Um, What started as an Instagram Live battle moved to Apple and Instagram Live still. Uh, The Apple deal has ended and uh, creators Timbaland and Swiss Beats have teamed up with Triller um, to start streaming versus moving forward. And now also with Peloton, where the Connected Fitness Company has struck a deal. um, And the collaboration will feature set playlists from artists like Brandy and Monica to start, and then other artists moving forward. I didn't find that on Apple. What do you think... uh, I got a couple edits today. Uh, What do you think is... uh, the the end game here. Does this make sense for Peloton to you? uh, Or does this make sense for versus?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, I think like first first and foremost, right. We, this is the total COVID-19 story, because if you look at Peloton and the rise that we saw in the, the last year of everybody work, uh, working and working out from home, everyone's building their home gym and, and selling Pelotons, Peloton sales were through the roof. And then you look at Versus, Versus started as, you know, just a way to, I think, to give back content to fans while everyone was stuck at home, and now it's its own platform. So as you kind of look at those two things, it's just crazy to look and say, wow, a year ago today, like these two brands were in a totally different position. Uh, As we now are in 2021 and, and things are starting to reopen, gyms are reopening, well, Peloton is probably saying, hey, People, we st- people still have these in their house and they're probably going to sit there and say, you know, why do I have this now if now my gym is open? So they have to give them more content and this is a way to do it. And for versus, right, they are now um, striking other deals and, and this is one for them to just another extension and, you know, a way to, to bring back, bring in unique experiences just for sets of users. I think the first series was with Brandy and Monica, like you said, and, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where where things go from
0: there. I think it makes a ton of sense for Versus. Um, They're growing the platform. I've liked how they are growing. Um, They've been uh, able to cross genres. They've had producers, songwriters battle. They've had singers. They've had rappers. Um, And the platform itself is great. I think it makes sense for them because I don't think the person who owns a Peloton at their home is necessarily their target audience. And so I understand them expanding the partnership in that sense. If they're going to use pre recorded battles as well, um, that makes sense to me too, because now uh, these battles usually take, you know, somewhere in the hour and a half to two, two and a half hours, depending on, you know, how many records they end up playing after the quote unquote 20 for the battle. Um, and just how how much showmanship is is there as well and so if that's a ta- a previously taped engagement and i haven't seen that that's great because i can watch 30 45 minutes here and then i can get off and when i go to ride again i can watch you know the remaining time so i like it from that aspect um, but i don't see it as a place where i can go watch the battle when it drops and that does to me it doesn't make sense to Peloton in that sense. But um, you know, as they've moved into to the space, you they had the deal with Beyonce that got announced and things like that. So this isn't their first foray into in a music and I think it could be a cool space again. The verse I don't think versus is drawing people to get a Peloton. Like, I don't think that's the final straw. They're like, ah, you know, I just don't know. But <laughs> now that I can get the Brandy and Monica battle, I'm on board. So I don't think that's that's happening. I don't think it's selling Peloton units. I think that it's um, it's trying to give the Peloton user something new. I personally think the like Peloton class is kind of corny. So when I use the bike, I usually just do a just ride or, or do a scenic ride. Um but I might be willing to say, hey, you know what? All right, I'll throw on uh, one of the battles that I maybe haven't seen. Or, and just to, get, just to get some music and listen to it, because I'm not super focused on their screen that they have um, when I personally use it. So,
1: Yeah, and I think kind of like you said, this is, this is the first, right? So maybe they're just testing stuff out for what the future could be. I think they did some exclusive music releases for the first time back in December with like big boy and others. So this could just kind of be a first of like, Hey, could we do more of this? Could we build our own sort of, you know, versus can we work with some artists directly to, to build out their own platform here? What can we do?
0: Yeah. Now the, the Peloton album release rollout might be on the way. Um, Yeah. It, it's interesting, you know. I understand that people like music when they when they're working out. Um, I it again, it'll be this one. This one is uh one that I I think it's definitely worth paying attention to because again, when you're at home, you can set it up in front of your TV and things like that. So you, there's other distractions and things that you have going at home versus when you're in the gym. So. How they how they build on this and and whether they can move into having live battles or maybe they change the format so that you have maybe one artist kind of does a set and you can watch a set on Pel that's done specifically for Peloton, right? It's a 30 minute ride. We got Usher. Usher's gonna do you know his biggest records off of the Confessions album, and so you get five or six Usher records that he's kind of performing in a, in a little studio to do live. So that could be something that's interesting that I can see that makes, that makes sense for them. All right. With uh March Madness and I guess the women's tournament does not use the March Madness. It's not called March Madness, which is weird Um because they have a very interesting tournament going on right now. But um, with all of the, Hoopla surrounding March basketball at the collegiate level. Um, It was announced that the NCAA is under fire over amateurism and it is going to take the battle to the Supreme Court. Um, NCAA versus Alston is an antitrust case that is basically looking to get rid of the amateurism Uh, veil that the NCAA has put over players to restrict them from receiving compensation. So I guess I'll start with where do you stand on college players getting paid um, and what does that look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they should be compensated for their, their play. And, you know, also the biggest thing personally, whenever, you know, I've looked at college is that it's crazy to me that they can be penalized from, you know, financially gaining off their own intellectual property. Like literally taking photos, signing an autograph. They cannot make any money off of that. But the NCAA in previous years could, whether it be via the video game, uh, the school could literally sell the jersey with their number. The, pers- the student that's literally working at the campus store that's selling the jersey is making more money than they are as the player is just bonkers. It doesn't make sense. Um, So, you know, I do believe that they should be compensated and and most importantly, should be able to sell their own intellectual property and no other profession would that happen. Yeah. Um, I think the key thing, right. With this case is really the, the hinging on amateurism because if the NCA wins it honestly only strengthens their power in the sense that they can kind of just dismiss future lawsuits that challenge amateurism. So that's really the the key thing here.
0: Yeah. Um, I agree with you on the payment thing. I just think that it's for the top of and, and the top of the top of these collegiate athletes. This is essentially an internship uh, for their, career right uh if you look at the nba that has a one year removed from high school before you get into the nba draft the top prospects are going to these schools and it's a one-year showcase of their talent to see where they get drafted um and there hasn't been much wiggle room around around that it's really been you go to college and then you can go to the nba Right. We've seen Brandon Jennings went to China for a year. We've seen Lamella Ball go to Lithuania and then Australia. Um, But those are few and far between. And I think that, you know, if you if we remove this idea that you're getting paid just because you're a college athlete. And so you shouldn't get paid uh, from the college athlete portion of that. Why can't I make a YouTube page as a college athlete? And if that pops, get paid for that. That has nothing to do with what I'm doing on basketball court, football field, track, whatever the case may be. That has nothing to do with that. This is me creating a brand, and we've seen this. There was a kicker um, whose name I can't remember right now, but he had a popular YouTube page. NCA said, yeah, you either stop doing it or you, you can... Uh, You cannot come. And he decided to continue to do his YouTube page, and he's been successful, so good for him. But, again, those things shouldn't overlap. If I build a brand and I build myself up to be marketable for things outside of the sport, I should be able to do that at the very minimum. Now, the NCAA has bought in over a billion dollars in revenue from 2017 on 2016. They were very close. 2014, very close to a billion dollars. Some of that I believe should probably trickle down back to those players across all sports, Um, even of the belief that, okay, we're going to say football and basketball brings in all the money, they should get more than, yeah, they should. You're right. I, I don't have a problem with that. If basketball and football players are bringing the majority of the money, maybe their split is a little higher. But, again, it should still be, I believe that you should still have money Distributed kind of fairly between all the sports, both men's and women's, um, and just see how that what that looks like. I don't I don't have a problem with that. And we've seen the NCAA be on the wrong side of a lot of things, so I feel like even if they lose the case, they're gonna they're gonna have to pay these players, and they'll figure out how to like mess that up as well. So, um. I guess where, I guess if you had to guess, where do you think uh, this case goes and, and who do you think wins? You're
1: muted. I think the NCAA loses. That's my gut feeling right now, you know, uh justice kavanaugh you know one of the key quotes that people took away was that he said antitrust law should not be a cover for exploitation of the student athletes so this is one of the supreme court justices basically saying you guys are taking advantage of student athletes and you're hiding behind this you know this antitrust law that's how you're doing it so it'll be interesting I think that they're gonna win um you know seeing some of the the lawyer the arguments from the various lawyers are, are pretty interesting um the ncaa is one of their claims is that the ncaa product would be unpopular if athletes were paid that's not true people watch paid Why? athletes paid all the time that doesn't make a difference <laughs> if someone's went to duke grew up a duke fan every one of their family's a duke fan they don't care if the kid's getting paid or not. I mean, the, they want to have a preference, but they're still going to watch just the same. Um, you know, it's a, the amateurism is definitely, you know, how the NCAA likes to tell their story. But personally, I think it's a little bit of a fairy tale. I don't think it makes that much of a difference to the average fan.
0: Yeah, the only argument that they need and the only thing that I kind of see them having to worry about and make sure that it doesn't happen is you got to just make sure that it's not like, okay, Duke can pay you to come.
1: Yeah. That, that and-
0: I think, affects the, the scale and the balance of power there. The school should not be paying them, you know, without having, you know, a real f- full thought out plan of what this looks like, you know, but like similar to like these class action lawsuits and how you get like a large settlement at the end that makes more sense to me than you know okay look at the end of the year is uh august 31st or december 31st whenever the year ends and then you say we brought in 1.5 billion we've allocated you know 50 percent of that gets broken down across sports you know and and it gets sent to however many schools and they figure out how to split it up that way but um I think they got to – they'll figure something out. And, again, I'm sure they've thought about that. Um, kind of In a similar fashion, uh, just quickly before we go, I wanted to – there was a, a report that came out that of the most – the top ten most followed players uh, in the March basketball scene. And eight of the top ten were women and ten out of the top 20 – were women and what they did was basically they showed the social media following, and then they did. Uh, Open doors did this. They did a estimate of what, um, an estimate basically of their engagement and, and and how much money they're, quote unquote, worth or could bring in. So number one was Paige Buckers from UConn. She's got seven hundred thirty thousand followers. They said she would bring in roughly three hundred eighty-two thousand. Haley Van Lith from Louisville, 696K, and brings in about 965,000. Um, and then, you know, the list is available uh, for people to look at. But this was really interesting to me. And I was, uh, I, I don't know if shocked is the right word, but I maybe was a little surprised to see one, how many followers some of these people have. Because, I mean, Paige Buckers is. I hope I'm saying her last name right too, but she's a freshman and so she's, you know, maybe 19, 18, 19 years old and for her to have 730k and her be a basketball player um that's clearly a breakout star. It shows that you know this is the endorsement deals should be there for her as soon as they're available depending on how this NCAA lawsuit goes out. Right she's somebody that can bring value to different companies, whether that's a Nike adidas um but even outside of that, there's money to be made and these if you have eight out of the top ten or just or women um that should tell sponsors and and these endorsers that okay, maybe we need to look at this market as well because that's gonna be an untapped market for a lot of these companies that haven't really looked at women's sport and taking it seriously. I mean, the NCAA doesn't even look at it and take it seriously.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think it, it's a, a positive sign. And, you know, as we look at the NIL discussions and allowing them to, to market themselves, like, there you go. An open doors, right. So the, their whole platform is they connect athletes with brands for sponsored posts. So this is what they do. Um, and this is why they put this out there. But, they're selling their service right now. This is a, a great opportunity for, for all these players to potentially go out and sell their, sell their social media once they're, they're legally allowed to. Um, you know, I, I think it's a thing you, we look back and we think, Oh, it's a surprise. Cause like, Hey, you know, usually the men's team is more viewed on TV, but you know, social media as a platform, there's more women on than men on social media. And, you know, women as actual like, uh, influencers, there's more of them and they have more clout than the average man does. So that's also some things just to to keep in mind that not everybody always realizes.
0: Yeah, I mean I just think it's interesting is that like Jade Noone's from Baylor um she is number 4 on this list. Baylor is a one seed in the men's tournament and they don't have any player in the top 20 on their list besides her. So, I think this the the surprise comes from one um, none of the players on this list are from kind of one of these big name schools like your Kansas, your your Kentucky's, your your Dukes, your North Carolinas. None of them are from those schools. Um, and then again, the women are just showing that they have a great following and again, it's it's really an untapped market because women's sports is treated as really a second, even maybe third class uh, organization or program. So that's, I think, where the surprise comes is when you have these kind of big name schools and these big programs um, that they didn't have more people on the list when they have seen some equivalent success on, on the men's side, like Baylor has. And so it's just interesting. But, um, yeah, I mean, with that, um, unless you have any closing remarks, any direction you'd like to take us before we get out of here, then, uh, let me know. I
1: mean, I'm just waiting to see you, you, you finally buy some, buy that suite. Yeah. yeah buy yeah, yeah. some more A's gear with Bitcoin.
0: I, I've been working on it. I've, I've been in talks with the A's. They heard, they heard the podcast. And so they've been, uh. They've been trying to get me in, so we'll see what happens. So maybe soon. Next week I'll let you know. I'll give an update on whether or not I've I've purchased a suite. Hopefully they'll extend Love the it. deadline for me. But with that, we will see you next week. Um more cool in the gang. Get, get down on it. How you gonna do it if you really don't wanna dance by standing on the wall? back up tell me how
1: you gonna do it if you really don't wanna dance by standing